<laughs> started. Perfect. Yeah. Do you have a you have an audio recording? I hit record nine seconds ago, ten seconds ago, eleven seconds ago. Uh, Scott just said nine and ten, so I can cue this shit up later. Am I the only one drinking? Am I the only one drinking? Oh, I have okay, the good. world famous Kirkland hard seltzer. Yes. Oh my god. Hmm. <laughs> If we ever get popular enough to do a live podcast at like a comic convention or something, Scott, like the moment you bust out the Kirkland Seltzer is just going to be a, a, a joyous moment. Everyone's going to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all 10 people in the audience going all crazy. All 10 people. All 10 people. All 10 people. Or we'll make a Star Wars reference and those 10 people will lose their shit. So anyway. All right, man. Scott, your show, dude. All right. So let me get the script out because apparently I'm too stupid to memorize this. Um, do, well, do, you do, see do. what memorization's done for us and all the other ones. Exactly. It's like, yeah, this is based off of past past experiences trying to wing it. Exactly. Ten right. point seven party people. It's time for the cat's pajamas. Oh Ooh. shit! Okay. Get ready. Right. Get ready. I'm I'm dropping the science. <laughs> all right. Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders Mill Sonda for The Accidental Aliens. No, it's you, Keith. You want me to go next? All right. Yeah. Um, and I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja, in addition to reviewing horror on both iHorror.com and KeithRFoster.com. And bringing back Gary Hodges from a few episodes back. So we're doing a very... What's up, Gary? Hey, how's it going, man? <laughs> uh, so we're bringing Gary back for a very special episode of Blossom. So this is the all kaiju cast. Or that's probably taken. This is the... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, a all monster uh, pandemic edition of uh, uh, making comics. We're going to be talking yes. about... Godzilla versus Kong and all of the other connective movies. And uh, so uh, who wants to go first here? Keith, you want to or Gary, why don't you? You're the guest. Oh, man. Uh, what'd you what'd you what'd you think of uh, Godzilla versus Kong? So just to be sure, we're starting with Godzilla versus Kong. And then, Scott, you can tell us what next movie to talk about after that. OK, so we're going to do. Uh, yeah, we're going to do God. OK, so yeah, even for the people at home. So we're going to do Godzilla versus Kong first since that just came out. Uh, last week as of this recording and then after that we're gonna go into our rankings and then we're gonna talk about why we rank them in those orders so should okay. be a, a, a fun fun little pod for us um for it. us three why don't we do uh we'll go gary first then keith and then i'll just i'll pretty much just Fine. interject um but I, I have my thoughts but i'll let you guys go first gary why don't you take it take it away okay well uh my first highlight thoughts i'm very pleased with myself from my predictions from last time. Uh, I, I, after many a terrible geek prediction in my life, I kind of nailed a lot of the big, broad plot points of Godzilla versus Kong, so that was good. But in terms of uh, the movie, uh, I kind of uh, shamelessly loved it. You know, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I, but I'm going to add this sort of asterisk. And this was something I had mentioned to you guys right after I saw it. It was something I scribbled. I had like a little uh, stack of post-it notes next to me while I was watching it because I knew we'd be talking about it. So I wanted to make like, you know, little, just little things to remember for later. And I had made a note early on, there are basically two kinds of Godzilla movies. 
There's one kind that's sort of somber and serious and you're sort of in awe of this, you know, this force of nature that Godzilla is. And to me, that's the original 1954 one and then the 2014 one, which I thought was pretty effective at that. This is not that kind of Godzilla. This is the other kind. The other kind that's like son of Godzilla and, you know, destroy all monsters and all that kind of stuff, which, and I mean this in the most affectionate way, is so stupid, but so much fun. Like, so much fun to watch. Like, I really, and I did not like King of the Monsters. We'll get to that later. I was bored the whole time, but I kind of loved this. I had a great time the entire time. I kind of was like, that was... I, that was worth my HBO Max subscription just for that. I haven't even gotten to the other things yet. So, How about you, Keith? How'd you feel about uh, uh, the overall? What was your overall feel? Okay, so overall, overall, I, I thought the giant monster, I thought parts where giant monsters were on the screen were amazing. And then there were the other parts. <laughs> so look, I'm I I've I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I, you know I'm, I'm kind of doing this whole turn over a new leaf thing. You know what I mean? Or I'm trying to. No, nobody wants to be that dick that just picks apart pop culture stuff. You know, all the time. Um, but I, I think as as people who create stuff, it's helpful and important to look at stuff with a critical eye. While we have had our share of conversations about Star Wars, I what I re, what I learned about myself going through some of the a lot of these films, all four of these films actually, is that I hold myself to a much lower standard when it comes to Godzilla films than Star Wars films. Star Wars films, I seem to really hold those to a high standard, where um, Godzilla films, I hold to a, a pretty goddamn low standard. So I found the giant monster stuff incredibly entertaining. I've actually watched it twice. I watched it the first time in a theater on Saturday, and I just watched it this morning um, for the second time. So giant monster fights were great. Um, and, you know, for the rest of it, which I'll get into more detail on, I, I, I tried so hard to check my brain at the door on this one. But, man, did it make it very hard for me. <laughs> you know, like, like... I going into watching GVK Godzilla versus Kong. Sorry, Lance and I were referring to that. Lance Pilgrim, the cover artist for Kadoja. Going into it, I I thought, silly me, that King of the Monsters was by far the most preposterous of the current giant monster films, and Godzilla versus Kong was basically like, hold my beer, <laughs> right? right? Like, like it was completely ridiculous. I actually, on my second time through, I'll save this for my second go around. I wrote down the five most preposterous things in Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> so, and, and again, like, keep in mind, like I had fun. I'm trying to check my brain at the door, but oh my, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's basically, that's basically what I thought of it. So go ahead, Scott. What, what about you, man? First level thoughts. So, um, so in our group chat, Gary asked me what my ranking of the movie was, what my my rating was, and I I was somewhere honestly between seven and eight, but I'm just like a casual Godzilla fan, so I thought it might have been ranking in a little low, and then I was like, well, let me just say seven and a half to eight, but I don't think it was seven and a half to eight, but I'll just be be nice, and also I don't know how you felt about that, uh, Keith, about 
hearing a ranking before watching the movie. I am like, don't tell me shit. Don't tell me if you liked it, if you hated it. Let me go in blind as much as possible and try to figure it out. So I felt a little weird even giving that number. So I was like, ah, it'll be kind of a wrong number. So then they could deal with it, you know, and, and <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm going to throw these um, fuckers off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw them off my sense. I give it a two. Um, it's, <laughs> that's what I should have done. No, but uh, I, I enjoyed it, but there was also quite a bit of, preposterousness uh to it that i found and i couldn't help but laugh at so many things uh, uh when they were fucking happening i was like so kong just got a giant axe now huh i was like oh shit all right um <laughs> fuck it yeah fuck it let's do it you know there's just certain things that you just throw your hands up and just, you just lean back and just go all right well this is what we're doing this is yes, what we're number doing. Number four. Number four on my preposterous list, incidentally. Uh, oh, <laughs> my, again, I'll, I'll, I'll go with my exact things in a little bit, but yes. Okay, yes. so so my number one preposterousness was when, uh, a spoiler alert, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the movie, yeah. you're insane. Or you just don't care about spoilers, yeah. which is which is a-okay with me. So, spoiler... Or you, or you realize that spoiling a movie like this is completely pointless. Exactly. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, can you really spoil anything in it? Like, it's... Because it's... No. Cause it's I, I watched one review where he was talking about... He was trying to talk about the movie, and he was like, the plot is... And he's like, I don't even know if it has a plot. It has a story. And I thought that was an interesting <laughs> distinction. Where yeah. it's like, I don't think you can spoil this. I think you could talk about it. The only thing I would say you could... If you want to call it a spoiler, the only spoiler that you could potentially get out of this movie is who wins in the in the rumble, right? Godzilla versus Kong. It's in the title. Who wins yeah. that battle? Um, we've talked about it. Whereas, like... Yeah, this doesn't really seem like a competition. Godzilla's going to win this competition. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, um, exactly. Where I had made points before that, like, hey, gorillas are crazy strong, but also Godzilla is a fucking, he's like a walking weapon. He has, like, electro blasts that come out of his mouth. So I think exactly. we all kind of knew. Right. Um, and, uh, but anyway, back. So the, 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 the craziest thing, the stupidest thing in my mind about the whole movie is... When they defeat Mecha Godzilla, it's because they pour the alcohol from the flask onto the <laughs> the computer board. And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that's why they won." Because right. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So that, that didn't defeat. even make that didn't even make my top five. But yes, and, and wow, also, so that's my well, number like, one. But, but like weird bit of nerdery on this, right? Like, and this is what happens the second time you watch something through. My memory of the first time I watched it is that they poured the flask on the, uh, they poured the alcohol on the control panel. Right. <laughs> Thousands of miles away. Right. And, right. and, uh, and which is then something I want to talk about, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> and then Mechagodzilla completely shut down. However, it doesn't completely shut down, it shuts down for about a second and a half. Um, which apparently is the only opening that the two, you know, good guy kaiju need to then really just stone cold beat the shit out of it, you know. And um, so, yeah, I, I that that was that was an interesting thing, too, because it's like, OK, so it short circuited it for uh, for, you know, one and a half seconds. Now now who is it taking orders from or is it sentient or and then, you know, the I the line I gave because I. I treated my family and some close friends to a private theater viewing on it because I was just like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this right. And um, my line to them after the film is just don't 
don't ask a single question. <laughs> really don't like don't right. ask why, don't ask a how. Like just just really don't ask a question and then I think you're okay. <laughs> you know, that's so anyway. that's such a good point. Like I I was talking about it with a friend after uh he had watched it a couple days before and I was still in the stage of like I'm not getting HBO Max just to watch Godzilla vs. Kong. No, like, no, I'm not doing it. No. And then I have, I'm have i subscribing to enough things. But then you you guys were like, I was still, even though I was outwardly like that, I was still, I was very on the fence. Like, I was thinking Justice League, Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat's coming. You know, like, I was right there. You guys gave me the gentlest little nudge where it was like, we could talk about it in the pod. And I was like, all right, I'm subscribing today. Like, that's it. Like, it's, it's, it's happening. So, like, but um, he had watched it a couple days before. So I was like, all right, I watched it. Now we can talk about it. We started listing all the things that made absolutely no sense and or were completely stupid you know and it took no time like when you say you came up with five things like i felt like i had five things in the first 22 minutes you know like i'm just like wait what what (laughs) they built a whole i'm talking about i'm talking about the fine art of pruning a top five here (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true but like for example building that enclosure over Kong, did that happen without him being aware of that? Like, when did that happen? That seemed like that would have been the most astonishing undertaking of human history to build this shell that encompasses all of Skull Island. And, like, Kong just watched this happen every day, got out and ate a giant banana and watched it going up. Like, (laughs) and and then there's a part, it's like, we got to take him to the Hollow Earth because reasons. And, and... (laughs) The next scene, the next goddamn scene, he is on a boat chained up. It's like, there's a pretty big thing in between here where it's like, how did you get him from the jungle to chained up on the boat and sedated? And like, we just blow right by that. No worries. We've got spaceships that are anti-grav things. We've got, I mean, it just full on was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to do anything now. Like, whatever. Exactly. It, yeah, you're right. King of the Monsters, I thought, this is pretty ridiculous. No, no, no. Like, this is just like, let's just do anything we want. Let's not explain anything. Nothing has to make sense. There was, oh, yeah, and he finds, yeah, there's an axe he happens to find in all of the Hollow Earth. He happened to drop in a place that's apparently a few, you know, a jog from this axe, which also happens to be, like, the key axe for the gorilla castle. Like, I mean, when you start, I, I, I had in my notes, like, I would be reluctant to try and explain this movie. Like, like tell me what happens. Like, I would, mm-hmm. I would be reluctant to do that because I think it would make it sound so insane and so stupid that, like, it would get the wrong, they would get the wrong impression where it's like, no, but really, it's a lot of fun to watch. And the only analogy yeah. I could come up with was, I don't know if you guys are big Shaw Brothers kung fu movie guys. Oh, but please, one of, if you, I swear to God, I have one movie in my head, and if you bring it up, I'm going to lose my shit. Well, it'd be, I, it'd be great, but there's so many. But the one I thought of, it's like this, I have the same feeling watching this that I had watching this movie was um, The Five Chinese Venoms or Chinese Super Ninjas. It goes by a couple different names. Yeah. But it's this crazy move. It's like a revenge ninja thing where they go out and there's these different bands of ninjas that represent all the different elements. You have like earth ninjas yeah. and water ninjas and yeah. fire ninjas. 
it is. Those the are some sweet scenes that with the you, guy. You are like referencing one of oh, Gary. Man. You yeah. are you are referencing one of my favorite ten movies of all time. Isn't it amazing? Five, five okay. Elements Ninjas. Yeah, that's it's the fantastic. example where I was like, it's the stupidest thing you'll ever sit and watch, but you'll be delighted, kind of beginning to end. You know, like it's yes. just sort of like this is fun, and that's kind of the reaction I had from Godzilla versus Kong, where it's like, this is great. It's one of the dumbest movies I've ever sat through, but I've been entertained more or less beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. So my, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read my my five. Actually, okay. I'll read the ones that we haven't talked about yet. But uh, the, so for me, being a Shaw Brothers movie fan, and I, I, I pimp this movie to so many people when I talk. So Gary, if you have not seen it, it is in fact a Shaw Brothers movie, but it is, a, it, is it is Shaw Brothers with the influence of Kamen Rider and Ultraman. It is a movie oh. called Super Inframan. And that is what this movie reminds me of. I'm it writing is, it down. Dude, it is one of my favorite fucking movies of all time. And it it like it even sets it up from the beginning. Like I could begin to describe it, but just just watch the Super Inframan. It's fantastic. <laughs> and and it's it's equally preposterous. It's like gentlemen, all our cities are burned. Billions are dead. <laughs> you know, like there's just this exposition where like the entire planet dies. But I have this robot man. Actually, give me one second. And man, I, I, I guess I'm just a different kind of fan because what you just described, Keith, I loved it. You're like, yeah. yeah, so they gave a little exposition as to what happened and they just shoot you right into the movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I like yeah, that. Totally. totally. Yeah, I'm into totally. it. Okay, it's like okay, Star Wars. I'm, I'm, Star Wars. Star Wars. They give you the, you know, the title sequence, the scrolling text. They give you some exposition, and they fucking throw you into the movie. Allow Boom, us Star to Wars educate again. you. Take a allow shot. us to educate you on the economic disputes of the Trade Federation. <laughs> this is very important. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here, I'm just going to read the ones that that uh, we have not talked about yet. So uh, my number four was basically the axe and the prehistoric race of super apes. Uh, so for number five, I had number five, number five, a working energy transfer mis- machine that steals energon from hollow earth so it can transfer to a mecha godzilla chamber 3000 miles away via wi-fi <laughs> i'm not sure how so that was that was number five uh number well, i don't three, see the problem Where's yeah the problem? yeah there there is none that it, it okay. actually is perfect i, be, I believe okay. this is a documentary um, perfect number, go ahead number three a Ghidorah head supercomputer with telepathic psionic interface uplink to Mecha Godzilla. That's what I had for that one. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, number two, the Pensacola to Hong Kong Super Express train built in the ground by Apex Cybernetics that apparently is covering something like 6,000 underground miles. <laughs> um, and then my favorite, which actually somebody else brought up while we were having dinner afterwards, a hollow earth with a sun. Mm. I had a question about what is the light source in the hollow earth? Where, where I'm sorry, where's the light coming from? You know, and yeah. you know what's interesting too is that King of the Monsters went to great lengths to make hollow earth dank and dark and aquatic and kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? Which which it was weird to kind of see hollow earth then become like a, a beautiful jungle as opposed <laughs> to, you know, a a Lovecraftian air water hellhole. You know, right, which... it, it it looked like a sprawling Skull Island, like it was. This so I, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Ghidra head isn't that just that relates to your uh, your fourth one there? Um, seems like the Wi-Fi. So the head obviously connects the Wi-Fi. That's that's what I read. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't see obviously. the problem. 
So and, you really and, have and three and of course requires a one person Pacific Rim human interface for reasons to use to Correct. use Gary's term, right? Oh. Hey, do they yeah. um do they own Pacific Rim? Is it the same company? Like, is that able to cross over? They're they're both so it technically is because they're both under the legendary umbrella, but they're not part of the same universe yet. Ah, damn! I hope yet. so. I thought I heard a rumor of that when they first started talking about all these crossovers. That has been that has been a longstanding rumor that that that, that the two would cross over simply because Legendary slash Warner Brothers owns both of them, but uh, nothing nothing yet. I heard I heard I didn't read this I but I was told that. Guillermo del Toro said he would be excited to do some sort of crossover. I think in terms of chronology, Pacific Rim is well after the, like the periods we're seeing in this. So I guess that's like you could do it. You could say somehow like Godzilla just went missing for a while during the events of Pacific Rim and then reemerged or something. Sure. <laughs> Dude, would it be any any harder to swallow than the entirety of this last film? Of course <laughs> not. Wouldn't. No, I had I just wanted to share one little note I had made to myself. When I was trying to figure out what was happening in this movie, I wrote, I guess King of the Monsters Tywin Lannister sold Ghidorah's head to Lex Luthor so he could build a Grimlock. That was my my basic <laughs> shorthand of like I, so that's what's happening basically. Was, yes. Yeah. 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 My wife uh, called my, him Ricardo Ricardo Montalban. The, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And and what uh, and and what and what villain doesn't always have a really nice glass of freaking scotch or whiskey on the rocks as they're giving their oh my god that was, uh, was hilarious. I loved it. Allow me you know, to give you my know one of my uh, you know one of my one of the things that stood out to me as well was at the end, the the adopted mother and child, they were in the hollow earth uh, monitoring Kong still. And I'm like, this place has fucking pterodactyls that just snatch grown men out of the, like from out of the sky that with guns, like trained soldiers. They just kill soldiers willy nilly. And you just you're bringing a little kid in here. You fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was an issue for me. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's issues. Yeah. I I was hung up on the fact that the podcaster, the conspiracy theorist podcaster, isn't doing some sort of Batman voice. He's taught. He worked at this company. He worked at Apex. He's dishing all their secrets, and he's clearly recognizable. You know, you would think anybody yeah, at yeah. Apex would be like, "Doesn't this guy sound like?" This guy, hey, have you seen the guy who, like, he sits by the copy machine? Doesn't he sound like, you know, I mean, you'd yeah, think exactly. on his podcast yep, he'd him. be like. That's him. I listen to the podcast. It's He's pretty good. But his, yeah, his speech pattern is, is uh, <laughs> right. right. you know, pretty unmistakable. Well, what's, what's interesting, too, is I had a very similar. So I was actually buying that a little bit because I was thinking, okay, big company, maybe they don't know everybody, but somebody probably would. I feel you like know, a big company like that would um, have a guy like like Disney, news. right? Yes. Yeah, like yeah. Disney, for instance, uh, Marvel. Dude, you put fan art up on like a Redbubble, man, they flag that shit so quick. Oh, like dude, WWF, totally. yeah, they they totally have guys like that's your whole job. You make sure so like people would trade secrets and shit. Like you would think yep. they would have someone. Yep. Yeah, I mean Toho does it. Toho has is notorious for I mean they shut down a place called Godzilla Pizza in New Zealand. 
Um, they oh, have wow. they 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 don't seem to have a problem with fan art as long as it goes um, very low copy, like an artist making a few prints of something. But they definitely have a threshold where they will shut you down. And like yeah, I I know of someone who was shut down, like not cease and desist, shut down, and confiscate all product immediately. Right. Like that kind of stuff. Oh. Right. So, yeah, to your point, to your point. So then I was kind of like what I was curious in is I wanted to look up and see what current conspiracy podcasts out there might be similar to this. But I was at work at the time and didn't want to do a web search for conspiracy podcasts. You know what I mean? Like you didn't want to just... do that on a company dime. No, I don't. I don't. In oh, fact, I, well. I probably don't want to do it ever because I feel like I would just get like <laughs> reverse gravity sucked into the dark web. And I don't want that. <laughs> so do you think Toho was trying to get into the pizza industry? So they're like, fuck you. This is our game. We got Godzilla pizzas over here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is kind of crazy. I mean, I, I will say. To your point, Scott, there is a real example where there was there were some um, Godzilla soundtracks that were released in um, in low numbers, and those were also shut down and confiscate all copies to the point where you cannot even find them, much less buy or sell one on Discogs, which is the buy and sell trade records site. I find that fascinating. And then what do you know? Waxworks actually currently has for pre-order a box set with every single Godzilla soundtrack from 1954 to 1975 that you can buy. So that makes sense. So, I mean, if that's coming, then why ain't pizza next? (laughs) All right. So is there anything about anything else about, okay. What about the high spots? All right. So we talked about the low lights already. What are the high spots of the movie? What are the things that jumped out? The best to you guys. I thought the fight scenes were great. I thought they were really inventive. I thought they were really creative. And, you know, it's funny, leading up to this, we were all talking about how it seems like a mismatch. Like, it seems like Godzilla should be able to wipe the floor with King Kong. And in retrospect, now seeing it, I realized that that was kind of a misguided concern because I think that's sort of what made it work. Like it, it, I was constantly sort of tense thinking like Godzilla's going to get mauled or King Kong's going to get mauled. And it added a little bit of interest to the fights where if they were perfectly evenly matched, I think it would be easier to zone out and be mm-hmm. like, it's, it's just like a brawl, you know, it, like it's a bar brawl. The fact that Kong was not only vulnerable, I think, helped, but also I was thinking about, like, why did I really not like King of the Monsters, but I really enjoyed this? There were a bunch of reasons, but I think part of it is Kong being basically the protagonist is smart. It, like, And mm-hmm. I think that really worked. Now, some might complain, like, this is kind of... I, and I, I would agree. Like, it feels more to me like Skull Island 2 than Godzilla 3, you know? Like, yes. I mean, this... Yes. It, it feels like a continuation of that. But I think that makes a lot of sense because, first of all, you've got to somehow make them someone kind of the like the protagonist, someone kind of the antagonist. And Kong is, you know, he's more anthropomorphic. He's more sympathetic. Like there's a little more going on there. For lack of a better mm-hmm. term, Kong kind of has a soul. And Godzilla mm-hmm. is 
just the kind of this big crocodile thing. And they did a good job also. They they made little tweaks to him that, like, the purist in me was like, I don't know if that's Godzilla. Like, he seemed to move way faster, and he was way more, like, bitey. And boy, he was fast and loose with the breath. Where, like, if you go back and watch 2014, it was always, like, this big deal he did the breath. Like, they really mm-hmm. built up to it. Where, like, this, it's like, uh, you know, drop of a hat. He's just flaming everything. Um Yes. Uh, to your point, though, um, uh, with Kong, like it makes sense that you're basically going through the story uh, following him because we're, you know, closely related to apes. So we're we identify with him in the way that way. And also, uh, you know, he emotes, you know, he when he's hurt, like you get to see even on Skull Island, you get to see those moments where he's tending to his wounds and uh, he connects with humans, and he actually wants to save people. So it, he, he's been humanized a lot in, in you know, uh, Skull Island and in this movie. So you can see why you would identify with him. How about you, Keith? What do you got? What what's a high spot for you? I mean, the fights the fights were great. You know, there's kind of a there's kind of a dark cloud within that first silver lining, which is the trailer did spoil a lot of great shit about that first Kong and Godzilla fight, which I think had I just been cold completely going into the theater, I'd have been like, this is a kick-ass fight on an aircraft carrier and a really inventive way um, to, to kind of have a cool fight that has a lot of tension to it where Kong's at a severe disadvantage and, you know, surviving is basically getting an A out of the fight, you know. Um, but yeah, Mecha, everything Mecha Godzilla at the end. Although I, I did, I did quite a kind of question how Mecha Godzilla was that fucking badass. Like Mecha Godzilla was an absolute wrecking ball and was stone whooping Godzilla's ass, you know. And that seemed a bit, you know, I I don't know. It, it just seemed a bit much, <laughs> you know. But but uh, yeah, go. Uh, maybe like, do you think because they were doing the whole. He's using his mind to control Mechagodzilla. So instead of like like in uh, Pacific Rim, they have to act out the fight. So they're physically doing it where uh, the one scientist, he was essentially just using his mind. So whatever he thought of, oh, I see a punch coming. I can counter it. So the machine automatically counters it without him doing anything. So... Uh, that was a question I had. I mean, I'm assuming this, but it was kind of unclear to me. Once he got his brain melted or whatever, are we basically looking at a like a Ghidorah robot? Like the, it, like his brain is taking over now, right? Like, yeah. So, I, I thought that, that is. I, I I hate you know if 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 you're writing for the writer, they fucked up. Unless, like, if, if it's a question the writer wants you to ask, then the writer hasn't fucked up. But if you're doing the writing for the writer, they fucked up. But yes, Gary, I also did the writing for the writer there, and I felt that the Ghidra brain had taken over. Well, let me, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the writer thing. I had, a, I had an, artist, an artist observation and a writer observation. We'll start with the writer observation, since you opened the door. I really didn't understand why the brain and the pilot had to be remote. And I thought all the story reasons for it were sort of lame, given all the other things they were just writing off in the rest of the movie. Like, you didn't really have to do that. And the main reason I'm sort of... It's the one thing... It's like, if I could change anything about this movie, I'd put pilot and brain in Mechagodzilla because that gives you the most delicious opportunity 
to have Kong crack his skull and eat his brain, which would be like a callback to earlier when they're in the hollow earth and he grabs and wrestles that thing's head off and is like gulping down all the stuff inside. It's like this would be amazing to have Kong as like a true gorilla gobble up Ghidorah's brain. That would be fantastic. That would be worth the price of admission right there just to see that crazy shit. Yeah, and, and I thought your theory was actually way better. You're, you, you know, when you're like, it's the brain of Ghidorah, whereas this, it was just the sonic energy of the skull or something like skull that. Something. And I was like, weird. That, doesn't, like that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, why would, why the fuck wouldn't you just use the brain? Why, why, why the skull? What fucking the thing's dead? You know, at least the brain, you could make up some mumbo jumbo that they scienced it to stay alive or whatever, you know, but. But the the route that they went was a bit bizarre. I, I, I'd even go further and like, why even have that bonus scene at the end of King of the Monsters with Evil Eye Benedict, where he's like, you know, I'll take it. Like, where the fuck did that go? You know, so again, you have to like kind of cross these bridges of like, I guess Apex got it. Apex got it. <laughs> this sounds good. They clearly. Yeah. So that that whole shit. But yeah, so no, I, I wanted to say, too, that um one thing I particularly enjoyed, and, and it's always fun when you see it a second time, the fun question I like to ask myself is, what am I looking forward to? And I was very much looking forward to Mechagodzilla completely wrecking the Ricardo Montalban guy during his big speech of triumph. So I enjoyed that. That that was a cool moment where like he's talking and then Mechagodzilla is just like... <laughs> Looking, he starts in the looking at him with that with that. I'm gonna <laughs> fuck you up. Look, you know, like that and they're shit was and they're so slowly great. they're slowly walking yes. away from him. He's yes, like, what? Yes. What's going on? Love that. I Very love satisfying. that. And 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 while I generally, you know, I'm more prone to dislike kind of on screen um, cleverness than than uh, I'm more prone to dislike it than like it. I thought it was really funny when the podcast guy was then like, man, I was really looking forward to hearing the end of that speech <laughs> right after he died. <laughs> like that, that was actually a, a well-placed moment, you know? So yeah, I, I, that whole, it was. that whole little 45 seconds was killer. It, it's not bad. And I also appreciate it. Cause I feel like, you know, you see that kind of trope once in a while of like, there's something behind somebody and, you know, and, and they, they're not aware of it. What I liked is that he actually kind of, it, it was a little like acknowledging where they're all backing away. And he's like, what, what is it? And he like looks behind him, which I don't think I've ever seen. Like you've seen that moment before where someone's coming up and he doesn't know, but you've never seen yes. him be like, why is everyone acting weird? Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed yeah. that. I had one um, and it's kind of like, it's almost a complaint, but it really isn't. Uh, during the fight scenes with uh, at the end with with uh, uh, Godzilla and Mechagodzilla, and even with Kong, Godzilla kind of looked like a dude in a in a costume. Like the way mm. they were rendering his uh, his joints, like under his arm, and the way he would like swing, like just those fast actions. I was like, looks like a dude in a suit. I was like, it's kind of mm -hmm. adorable. It's like a callback to the you know the older movies, like in in that sense. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't. I liked it. It was a bit weird, but I liked it. So this just the same. Yeah, man. All right, is that it? Do you guys? Do you, did we hit all of the high stuff? Are we we good? I on think that? we did. I, th I mean, dude, we could, okay. we could obsess over plot nonsense for for another four hours, but I think we should probably get to the second part of the of the ranking, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so with that said, uh, Gary, why don't you go first? What's your rankings? Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go top to bottom. 
Top to bottom. What's top your favorite? To Which, Which, top to bottom, yeah. Okay, well, as I mentioned in the beginning one, I kind of see there being two kinds of these movies. But now, and I, I kind of want to separate them. And I, I, I should say, uh, well, I'll explain. So for the list, top to bottom, I still got to put Godzilla 2014 first. Because I prefer that type of Godzilla movie. And I think, especially as time has gone on, I liked it at the time. As time has gone on, I just appreciate it more and more. And it does more things that I like that I feel like these future ones, these re the ones since haven't been doing. And one basic thing is just like scale. Like I would like to see more shots from the ground. I want to get more of a sense of how big these things are. It's bizarre to me that we're getting these helicopter views of Godzilla. Like I and I, I thought Gareth Edwards did that right in 2014, where you're constantly seeing like how big this thing is, like just enormous. I never felt like King Kong or Godzilla in this were particularly big. That's a small example, but that's one thing. I also like the mood of that first Godzilla movie. So Godzilla, 2014, first and foremost. Second, I think I gotta go with Skull Island. Um, I really enjoyed Skull Island. I've always been a little bit more of a King Kong fan. I liked the period stuff. I thought it was fun. I thought it was well paced. I thought, And I thought it's what you want in a Kong on Skull Island thing with like lots of crazy monsters, funny characters, like weird, like people are just getting gobbled up left and right. I liked that. Uh, next would be this one, which is sort of closely after Skull Island. I really liked it. And then far behind all these three would be King of the Monsters, which I just it didn't do anything for me. Didn't like it at all. I was really bored. What's funny to me, I was shocked. It's about as long as Godzilla versus Kong. It felt twice as long to me. Like yeah. Godzilla versus Kong, I felt like it just zipped. Like I, it was done before. Like I even realized, like wow, this is really moving. That's not the feeling I had from King of the Monsters. King of the Monsters, like oh good lord, like <laughs> they're talking again. I'll jump in with mine. So uh, Gary's rankings are almost mine, perfectly. And in fact, Gary uh, completely said my scale point. So Godzilla 14 is my number one film. I also kind of look for the same stuff in Godzilla. I mean, that said, you know, look, if we were going to rank all, all Toho films, all Toho Godzilla films, what you'd find is the top of my list tends to be things that are either um, artistic endeavors or a bit goofy, right? So like among my favorite old school Toho Japanese Godzilla movies, are um, I love Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. That is in my top few. I love Invasions of Af Invasion of Astro Monster. That is in my top few. I love Godzilla Mecha Godzilla seventy four, and I love the Terror of Mecha Godzilla seventy five. Those are basically like four of my top five right there. And there's a whole lot of ridiculous there, you know. Um, so that said, of this current batch. I felt that 2014 is the best for the same reasons, pretty much. I think they get the scale right. While I enjoy big monsters moving fast, it's not feasible, you know? And and this is one of those things of... For me to talk about kaiju films, I can't help but bump up against the kind of things I think about when I write a book that centers around kaiju, right? And so... Scale is something that I'm always trying to keep in the forefront. You know, I always want to make sure that the scale is awesome of these things because they're fucking huge. And to your point, Gary, there there are parts, I mean, 
the the part that I particularly tripped on in Godzilla versus Kong to go back to that is when King Kong goes into his ancestral home, yada, 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 in Hollow Earth. And it is this massive chamber, absolutely massive. Do you have any idea how fucking big that chamber is? Kong is 300 feet tall. For that chamber, that chamber has to be at least half a mile tall. And, and that's fine, hollow earth, whatever. But it's that kind of scale that I particularly trip on when you make something giant tiny. And, um, and so that's something that I obsess a little bit over. So the fact that Godzilla 2014 got scale so right and got like the slow movement of these things so right, you know, like I, I really enjoyed rewatching that. It's not a particularly fun film, but it is the kind of film that you geek out on and you, you smile because you enjoy it. And, and it's worth noting too. So I'll take a little bit more time. Godzilla 14 easily has the best performance by an actor in the whole Godzilla shit, which, of course, he died halfway through Brian Cranston. He was awesome. That monologue he gives is is a joy to think about where he's the whole it wasn't a typhoon. It wasn't this. My wife is in there. Oh, my God. Like, dude, that is that is awesome. And it gets more awesome every time you watch it, you know, so and and the film clearly falters without that magnetic acting presence just absolutely killing it in the film so Godzilla 14 is one um for me there is then a substantial gap in the drop to number two with Kong Skull Island so for me I also ranked Kong Skull Island number two um it it uses one of my favorite tropes which is a super underused trope which is the shit goes incredibly wrong in a way you did not anticipate um, and so I love that from the second they get on Skunk, Kong Skull Island, shit just starts to go wrong, right? Like people die, the, the fucking impaling by the ant tree, you know, Kong just showing up and absolutely wrecking shit on the helicopters, like such amazing stuff there. You know, go ahead, Gary. The guy, the guy, I, I would think the perfect example of that in Kong Skull Island, and I love that too, and I think you can see it even in my comics. You'll see like... I've always joked that my stories are about, like, a really bad day at work. Like, all the D versus M comics are sort of just, like, things just going just totally wrong at work. I I remember, remember the guy, he's going to try and save everyone. He's got the grenades. He's going to charge at, like, the skull crawler and get gobbled up with the grenades. And instead, it whips him with his tail and sends him off, and he just blows up on the side of a mountain. I was like, love yes. it. Love it exactly. so much. Like, yes. Exactly. Exactly. And that and that has um, so so the thing that makes Skull Island a distant second to me, I can't tell whether it's the script or the actors, but I really get the feeling it's the actors is the only actor worth an, that that gives a shit in that film is John C. Riley, who is amazing. John C. Riley, John C. Riley is a delight in that film and everybody else. I don't think they know what the fuck to do. Sam L delivers another like typical late career Sam L half-assed performance, you know, where like he just leans into that one thing that's supposed to make his character tick. Tom Hiddleston looks lost as like a smoldering leading man, you know, like it, if anything, it makes you realize what a perfect fit for Loki the guy is 
because it seems like he struggles in other stuff. And dude, I forgot Brie Larson was in the film. <laughs> you know, like, holy shit, she's in this film? Where the, when the hell did that happen? Did they like digitally insert her or something? I don't remember the first four times I've watched this. Anyway, yeah, what's up? I, yeah, I was, I was watching it, uh, I think for the second or third time the other day. And I was like, oh shit, Loki and Captain Marvel are in this? Like, I completely forgot. I had forgotten, like, since I saw it in the theaters. Yeah. Uh, but exactly. I was just having a I was just having a conversation with my buddy Travis about this uh, from the Accidental Aliens, and he was talking about the director basically saying what you guys are saying was like all of these humans are inconsequential, uh, especially to these kaiju. They don't mean shit. So when you have that scene where the guy's holding the grenades, hey. Uh, have a good life, kid, you know, make something of it or whatever. And then he just gets whipped in, into the mountain and explodes. And it was like, it was like, ah, oh, fuck. He just, he was going to give his life. And, and uh, yeah, he was nothing. You know, he's nothing to this thing. Yes. And exactly. uh, uh, and to your guys' point, John C. Riley was the one character that you kind of like rooted for. You're like, yeah, yeah, this fucking guy, right? Like, like he's awesome. Look, he's got a sword. He's trying to stick up for everybody. You know, and, and, and what's yeah. funny I, is... From the trailers, I thought he would be the character that would check me out. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, I see. He's the comic relief, stupid. All right. You know, and yeah, you watch the movie and you're like, he's the coolest guy in this whole thing. Good good times on that one. And then for me, there's another, to continue the ranking, there's another pretty substantial drop. And like, I sort of don't care where King of the Monsters and Godzilla vs. Kong fall because I suppose I'll give Godzilla vs. Kong the slight edge because... When I see my future self re-watching these films, I see myself watching Godzilla 2014 and kind of like nerding out through my parts that I really love. By the way, little slept on part in Godzilla 2014. The creepiness of the Muto going under the rail bridge when it sniffs the two guys that are laying there, that is a nice fucking creepy scene, man. Like that, that actually gets better every time. I enjoy watching that front to back. I enjoy watching Skull Island front to back, even though most of the actors seem to have mailed it in. I cannot imagine wanting to watch King of Monster King of the Monsters or Godzilla vs. Kong front to back. I can imagine fast forwarding to the fight scenes. And that tells me kind of that I rank both equally. Godzilla versus Kong, to your point, Gary, it's a little more preposterous, where King of the Monsters seems to take itself too seriously. Um Except for, oh my God, I, I, I'm happy that I remembered to bring this up. Bradley Whitford's character is the most annoying fucking character in the history of cinema, right? And, and so I'm going to trot out a joke and I'm going to send you guys a meme afterwards because I was telling my buddy Kyle from KaijuCast this, uh, speaking of the actual podcast name KaijuCast, um, I, uh, I, I was telling my buddy Kyle that Bradley Whitford was legit more annoying than Jar Jar Banks. And that and that I would actually have preferred for all of Bradley Whitford's lines to be voiced by the guy who did Jar Jar Banks in Jar Jar Binks's voice. I think that would have made it much more entertaining than the way it was because he was trying to be the snappy, quirky guy and it was horrible. And especially the one that, that grinds on me is the one where it's like, oh my God, Zilla. And it's like, that is like, that is like a fucking Rocky Horror Picture Show actor on camera going like, Dr. Scott, suck my c- 
fuck. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. You don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. The audience gets to do that. You don't get to. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's that's it. And then Godzilla versus Kong was fine. But, you know, fast forward through the fights and forget about everything else. Another writer thing. I hope we get out of this era where we have to have the weird, I don't know, audience aware geek character like in you know where i remember now jurassic world had the guy who was talking about like the original jurassic park was legit and blah 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 and we have the podcaster this time last one we have the guy you're talking about they always have to put in this guy who's like a commenter on a ain't a cool news article or something i don't know who these people are (laughs) and like and i just i'm over it I'm totally, we don't need that. It doesn't give anything to me. Like, not everything, just because a lot of people watch Big Bang Theory, we don't need this in our fucking movies. Stop it. Please. I'm begging you. Exactly. Exactly. How about you, Scott, man? You've listened to us for the last 20 minutes or so. King of the Monsters was my favorite one. (laughs) Was it really? No joke. Number one. (laughs) You're lying. I would like when you guys put the rankings in the group chat, I was like, wow, my list is the complete opposite of their lists. Now, Gary laid it out as as to there's two different types of Godzilla movies. They got, you have the thinker one where they're dissecting everything and they're explaining shit. And then you got the preposterous shit. You got the monster fights that it's just like, hey, it's a no brainer. These are your action. These are your action movies of, of Kaiju. And my God, were those way more entertaining to me. So I ended up watching these in a reverse order. So I had watched Skull. I had seen I had seen um, Kong Skull Island, uh, Godzilla 2014. And then most recently, then I watched uh, K versus uh, or G versus K there. And then uh, Mm -hmm. King of Monsters. So King of Monsters was the one I had watched most recently that I had not seen. And I was so entertained by that because I had gotten the experience of uh, uh, all the different types of, of kaiju movie. And this one was just like, yeah, Godzilla, I mean, uh, yeah, Godzilla just fucking fights everyone. And and I was fucking into it. I loved all of it. And uh, it, was a, it was a nice little Sunday uh, on Easter, just hanging out at my family's house. And everyone went and took a nap. And I'm like sitting at my sister's house. I'm like, what am I going to do? Hey, I'm going to watch King of Monsters. And my sister came back down. We were into it. We we're watching the movie. I'm like, this is fucking great. Yeah, he's just fighting everyone. Look, okay. Yeah. That, you know, even just the way you describe that, it kind of sounds wonderful because it takes me back to like Saturday morning TV watching the old Toho ones. It's like that does sound kind of perfect just like parking. And it's like, I'm just going to bust out all these Godzilla movies. That sounds fun. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I will say too, I, I, I forgot to mention during King of the Monsters that the fights are awesome and that this treatment of Ghidorah is my favorite treatment of Ghidorah. And Ghidorah's shown up in, I'm, I'm just going to say, seven Godzilla films, maybe a few more. Ghidorah has definitely become like the alpha villain um, in terms of go-to Godzilla stuff. So, and I thought this treatment of, Godzilla, of Ghidorah was killer. So yeah, man, when it comes to fights, shit, man, the, the fights were incredible. It was just the people stuff in between where it was like, 
I mean, you can't have a movie of all fighting, but right. King of the Monsters made a case that like maybe I would have just preferred that. <laughs> you you could have just edited out the people and had like 38 minutes of monster fighting and I, I would have been fine, you know. Yeah, honestly, and uh I I honestly didn't mind the people stuff that much because there was so much fight scenes. They were just the the people that gave me a break to catch my mm-hmm. breath. So I just listened to them talk, and and honestly, half of the stuff they were saying, it was just like mumbo-jumbo nonsense, you know, crap you need to put, uh, try to move the, the plot along. And yeah. uh, But I loved the idea that Godzilla is the one that, ch- he's he's the big dog in the yard. You know, if this is a jailhouse, he's fucking y'all up. You guys do whatever he says, and then you got this alien three-headed dragon that's like, guess what, motherfuckers? And so he comes and he fucks shit up and all the other dudes, the woolly mammoths, the tarantulas are like, all right, it's cool. And it's just, it's just so fucking fun. It's, it's ridiculously yeah. fun. And I had forgot about the humans in, in Godzilla 2014. Cause the last time I saw it was 2014. And I was like, Hey, that's the chick from uh, King of Monsters. Uh, she didn't make it in the second one. And then, yeah. uh, uh, you know, the, the main guy, uh, and then, you know, he, he, he sacrifices himself, which I thought was rad. He mm-hmm. sacrifices himself in King of Monsters. I was like, dude, what a fucking hero. And it's like, and look at all you bitches that are in the military. No one hears no one hears volunteering, but this scientist dude is. I was exactly. like, you're a bunch of bitches. But uh yeah, so I loved all of that. Uh highly enjoyable. Um so number one, King of Monsters. Yeah. Number two, I'm with you guys. I'm still with Skull Island. And um Keith, similar to you. I kind of don't care where Godzilla versus Kong and, uh, but I don't care where Godzilla 2014 rank. Like sure. you can flip those two. And I, and I kind of don't care because there was so much human element to the 2014. And I had literally just watched three movies where monsters are fucking each other up. And then, so it was kind of like, I think if you watched it in the correct order, maybe my my uh, opinion would change because it's like you're starting off slow and then you build up to the big crazy shit. Whereas mine was big crazy shit. Oh yeah, here's some quiet moments. Yeah. So I, I would say this, that I, I think it's less about what order you watch them in as opposed to just what your preference is. You know, so like big knockdown, drag out, fuck them up shit. Yeah, King of the Monsters has it. You know, Godzilla 14 does not, you know, the, the big argument, I tend to think it's budget related, but the big, one of the big complaints about 2014 was that Gareth Edwards brought you to the brink of a few too many fights without delivering on the payoff. Upon rewatchings, I happen to think that he was merely being clever in how he used the budget he was given. Um, where other guys, what they do, you know, like you, you look at it, there really aren't a whole, I mean, I don't think Godzilla 14 has many more or less fights than any of the other films with the exception of King of the Monsters, which I think probably had a bigger budget and more fights, but it was the way Gareth Edwards presented him that basically he tried to spread his fight budget over like one, one big fight. And then four half fights or whatever it is where everybody else was like, fuck it, man. I'm just having two big ass fights and that's how I'm spending my money. And then King of the Monsters was like, I'll see you in rays. I'm going to have six, <laughs> you know, or whatever yeah. it's going to be. Right. And, and so I, yeah, man, and, I, and I, I totally get it. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think over time too, it's like, like anything, right? Like I bought a TV in 2010 for 800 bucks. So it was a 42 inch. You can get a 42 inch for $300 now. So I think this, the, the budget, yeah, 
goes for CGI goes a lot further these days. And uh, um, is it okay? So uh, one, let me let me get this out of the way. I totally agree with you guys on the scale. By the way, since I was watching him in reverse order, there was tons of upshots in Godzilla 2014, and I there was so many times that I wanted to tell my sister, hold on, I'm gonna pause this so I can take a shot of the angle. Because the angle is so mm-hmm. beautiful that I want to try to recreate it. Here's a, uh, uh, since this is the Making Comics podcast, here's a little tip that I had heard from uh, uh, another, another comic creator online. He said, don't be afraid. If you see a good shot in a movie and, you, and that shot is difficult to you, don't be afraid to screen cap it and try to mimic it and draw your character in that scene in that same position. So it'll teach you how to get that type of scale. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I was going to say, like, in terms of just visually stunning scenes in all these movies, to me personally, nothing beats in 2014 when Godzilla is approaching that bridge. And you're getting basically a view of, like, the cars and the tanks on the bridge as he's sort of trying to claw his way through it. It just, it looks amazing. You know, it just Mm -hmm. looks so good. And part of it, I think, Gareth Edwards, because he was more conservative about how often am I going to show the animal... Maybe they got to spend more money per second, you know, on each glimpse of Godzilla. So, like, they kind of paid off. But I think also it was just, like, the composition and the angle. And, and again, like, the upshot. Like, you really just got a look at this huge thing, like, looming over this bridge. And you had context and scale with the people and the vehicles and the cords, like, the suspension parts of the bridge. I thought it was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. We ha- uh, the episode hasn't come in out come out yet. Oh wait, no, did it? Uh, yeah, we talked about light and the perception of light, or dark and the perception of dark. I listened to that today. Uh, yeah, so so uh, um, the Godzilla two thousand fourteen had a lot of dark. There was a lot yes. of dark. Like just watching the difference between King of Monsters, Skull Island, um, and uh, I had already even seen uh, Godzilla versus Kong at that point. There was a lot of dark. And so I know, and who knows by 2014, but one of the rules is with CGI and budgeting, you make shit dark and that makes it look good. You can hide a lot of shit with dark. So I think uh, just the time, you know, it's just like, all right, well, this budget goes a lot further these days. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, Yeah, so so that was, yeah, that was my ranking. And, um, you know... Like I see all the merits just just with the way you guys were talking about 2014, I totally get all of it. But just um, I mean, it even speaks to the type of comics I like to make in a way. Like I like fight scenes, I like drawing nonstop action. So it makes sense to me that I would also like action-packed nonstop fights in my movies as well. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. All right, so Sweet. I think that that pretty much draws it to a close, right? right. In terms, I had of a the, couple. Uh, questions to throw out there for you guys absolutely and maybe it'll be like it'll go nowhere but maybe it'll be something you can use one just for fun i wanted each of you if you were in charge of this franchise now where do you go from here what's the next movie like you've kind of already you've you've already used your big alpha villain you know you've already used Ghidorah. you've already got mechagodzilla now kong and godzilla are out there where like what so what's left what do you do pacific rim for me right away and um, it's just like, okay, you introduced uh, you introduced that element into this world. It, it makes for something different, you know? And, like, maybe Godzilla feels like they're challenging his, uh, you know, position as the king, you know, the, the alpha. So, so maybe that would be interesting. Maybe, um, 
in this hollow earth or wherever they cross where where pacific rim gets their kaiju maybe something else gets introduced something new you know so that would be yeah i i think i mean this is one of those crazy things of one of the thoughts i've always had in terms of like if i were ever going to sit in front of somebody and pitch a godzilla film it was always going to be the copycat idea and so for me the thing that fascinates that I am fascinated with would be the idea of people copycatting the Mecha Godzilla and having nations adopt different Mecha Godzillas for their own use or repurpose Mecha Godzillas, right? Um, so I that's that's the way I would probably work it. But then again, like Yeagers. I love robots. Yeah, I mean, but I love robots, right? So like Kadoja is a half robot; it's a sentient robot. So for me, I'm always fascinated by that. Um, in that type of thing. How about you, Gary? Let me ask you your own question. What would you do? Uh, you know, I, as I probably suggested with my question, I feel like you've already used your big guns. So what I would pitch is like, I think there's a lot of potential here for a hollow earth series where we can look at lost civilizations and weird lost, you know, like all that. We can do that kind of thing. We can do weird monsters. We can do like, we can, we can, once in a while, touch on Kong in his castle. Maybe he's looking for other Kongs out there. Maybe that's how you get a, around having to do a CG Kong on a series budget. Like, he's out looking for other Kongs. But, like, yeah, you could do weird lost, like, Atlantean civilizations. You can do weird monsters. You can do all that stuff. Yeah, that honestly, that was really intriguing to me. I love lost civilization stuff. So when he was in the Hollow Earth, and I'm like, who created these buildings? Who, who made that statue? Those look like gorilla statues. Who made those statues? So for me, it was very exciting. Uh, just just the thought of it. Yeah, uh, so for me, I in Gary's hands, I might trust it. But in the current people's hands, I probably don't. Because it just comes off like piss poor, land of the lost. Somebody wrote HP Lovecraft ideas on a napkin and then stuck with the napkin. You know what I mean? So like for me, it just comes off as a discount store HP Lovecraft. And and we all like one of the weird things about HP Lovecraft shit is it can't get made into movies. And that's one of the there are certain books that I really love. And there are comics like this, too. I don't want it to be a movie. I don't want it to go through the typical Hollywood washing machine where it has a story in three acts and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And like, there has to be a reason that HP Lovecraft makes shitty movies. And, um, and there has to be a reason that a heavyweight like Guillermo del Toro can't get at the mountains of madness made, you know, there's a reason. And it's because this stuff doesn't translate well to film. So, I mean, again, I think, I think, taking it at a, at a series level at like a granular level, like you're saying, Gary would make sense, but I would trust, I don't know if how many writers I would trust it in the hands of, cause it could definitely, I mean, this whole hollow earth thing, I think as presented comes off as very dime store HP Lovecraft, you know? Yeah. I, it, I, that would absolutely be the risk. And I would say, yeah, odds of doing that. Well, one in 20, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, yeah, exactly. you know, it's like, it, that's probably, I feel like that's like the next logical, you know, I could picture like, I could see, look, if they could make, no offense to any Stargate fans out there, but if they could make a Stargate series work, I think for sure you could make some kind of weird Kong hollow earth series, you know, like be successful, but Dude, no, and, you, yeah. 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 In, in, in the right hands, we made a, a, a bit character in the Star Wars universe work 
the Mandalorian and turn into one of the most beloved series of all time. And one of the, the few things that all star Wars fans agree on that it's actually like good. So yeah, totally. I mean, that's, that's where it comes down to deft hands uh, handling it. Yeah. And at a one at one in 20, one in 20 risk and not my money. Yeah. Let's take the risk. Like <laughs> worst case scenario. I don't fucking right. watch the movie. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you you watch the movie, you go, okay, that was shit, but but I didn't pay. Boy, for, I paid what the ten dollars or whatever gets a boy, ticket. That, boy, that fucking sucked. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad right. I didn't spend my own investment oh, well. money on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. I'll I'll do yeah, you one better. Fuck them, that's why. I'll do you one better. I'll pitch it, and if they make it, and it's a disaster and terrible and cringy. As long as my name's on it, I still get my royalties. Like whatever. Like that's fine. You know, make make thirteen exactly. seasons of it. I don't care. There's plenty of people out there that have made an entire career off of writing bad scripts, you know, and they're millionaires. Right. And we've never yeah. heard of them. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, because nothing, they're not making it, but yeah. Exactly. Or if the, they do make it, it's shit. The other question I had was uh, for both of you, but mostly targeted at the artist here, Scott, uh, what do you think about the look of Mechagodzilla? <clears throat> it was pretty cool. Um, I, uh, you know, like I stated before, is I'm a casual Godzilla fan, so I, I really didn't have an issue with the look of it. I thought it was, I thought it was completely fine. How about you? Well, uh, should Keith go first, or should I? Like, okay, I, I, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. I, I, I think from a realism point of view, it totally works. But I think in terms of the thing that most Godzilla fans judge shit on, which is and I'm I'm probably the the hardest Godzilla fan of the bunch. I think um, does it make a cool toy? It, it, the toy sucks. It's I, I I have zero desire to buy that fucking toy. Right. So I think in general, when you're making these things, you probably most people should probably be asking themselves, does it make a cool toy? Where this thing just looks like a bit of a reject from the Rivet Factory. Um, but I I appreciate the practical design that went into it. But yeah, it's kind of hideous. Yeah, it's funny. I said almost the exact same thing to my friend about two or three hours ago. I was like, I have no need to buy the expensive statue of Mechagodzilla. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, and uh, he sent me an article because we had been talking about it. He was, uh, shout out to my friend Garrett. Garrett really didn't like the design. I was very, I told him I was completely neutral. One out of 10, I was a five. Didn't hate it, didn't love it. I found it just totally kind of forgettable, but he didn't like it. And I think a comparison that was thrown out there was like, looks like tinfoil covered shoe boxes kind of like taped together. Like it just doesn't, it's, it's, it's so blah. Um, it was definitely uninspired. Uninspired. But it, it wasn't, it just wasn't enough for me to like take, like even your question, I was like, wait, what did I think about that? Because it was just, it was whatever. Like, yeah. and, and you know, anyway. Yeah. He, uh, I, he sent me an article and I guess the director, whose name I'm blanking on right now, I feel bad, but the director was saying the design was mostly a reaction to the Michael Bay Transformers, which he thought were, and I'm, these are my words, I'm putting words in his mouth, with, which he thought they were just a hot mess. Like they just look like, a, you know, a, a train wreck, just they a were. mess of sharp edges and metal and don't really look at it. He wanted yeah, to get more back to like G1 Transformers look. Um, so in that regard, it's like, I appreciate that, you know, like I, I agree with him. I don't like the look of the Michael Bay transformers, but 
I thought it was a little simplistic and boring. Like I thought maybe there are a couple more iterations there. You could have come up with something a little like that was also kind of simplistic, like he's going for, but also maybe a little more creative, a little more interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I would say that Michael Bay's Transformers look better than Mecha Godzilla. Uh, real personally. quick, it was a uh, no. They're hot garbage. Um, <laughs> I have more of an attachment towards Transformers, and those were shit. Uh, directed by Adam Wingard. So, all right, Gary. Well, th- dude, thank you again for coming on. Um, where can where can they find you online? Do you got stuff to to pimp out? Uh, pimp pimp everything to these peoples. Pimp pimp it like Godzilla pimp slap Kong. <laughs> I write. <laughs> The indie comic series Dinosaurs vs. Mars Bots. You can find me on Instagram at Dinosaurs vs. Mars Bots, just like it sounds. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube. I have a bunch of videos about making comics, all the different stages, talking about comics, whatever, uh, under my name, Gary Hodges. Rock and roll. You can find me, Keith Foster, at KeithRFoster.com, where I have some blog posts. And you can also find a Kadoja page where there's some information on Kadoja and a Kadoja store. So that's KeithRFoster.com. And let me say Gary's books are fantastic. Uh, his YouTube page is, is excellent, very entertaining, very informative. So definitely check those out. And then you could find me at AccidentalAliens.com or you could find my books there. Um, uh, Wanders of Melisanda, a tale of, nope, that's the other one. <laughs> I went out of order. See, this is what happens when I go out of order. Second Shift, The Tale of Minimum Wage Workers and uh, uh, Superheroes at Night, and uh, Wanders of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans on AccidentalAliens.com. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, so let's, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's time for Keith to cue up the music if I haven't done so already. So we oh, will, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I just want to thank you guys so much for having me back. It's always a blast. I enjoyed talking about it. And uh, yeah, man. I appreciate hey, the we... kind words about the comic on the channel. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, hey. we we uh, we set this up and, and Scott uh, definitely made a point of delivering on it. And I would have, too. So, you know, you, it, it's like, why bring up all this stuff before the film if we're not going to talk about it afterwards? I, I felt you guys just had so much to say. And I was like, okay, well, I want to hear you guys talk about it because I know just as a casual fan, I wasn't going to bring the in-depth commentary that you both brought. So uh, definitely wanted to make that happen. And if you got any questions for us, Godzilla-related, Kong-related, comic book-related more specifically, uh, give us a shout-out at uh, makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com, and we will answer your questions on the air, quote-unquote. And that'll do it for another episode of Making Comics. Yes. And and of course, it is now official canon that Godzilla just stone-whipped Kong's ass. So we don't have to worry about this <laughs> argument anymore. The argument is gone. Right. Godzilla beat the shit out of Kong. There is I did rock- like that Kong was just like, like, ah, fuck. All right, you won. <laughs> and Godzilla's, that's right, bitch. Yeah, All right, let I me really go fuck wanna, this really guy up now. I really want to get this last time. But, yeah, but I'm, I'm done. There is kind of a weird rock, paper, scissors thing, though, because Godzilla beats Kong. No, wait, Mecha Godzilla beats Godzilla. Godzilla beats Kong, but Kong beats Mecha Godzilla. I don't that's know. what I that's thought what... during the movie, too. I was just like, oh, I see. Gave Kong his win still. Everybody he fuck gets up. a win. Yeah. Everybody gets yeah. a W. Everybody stacks. I, I like it. Okay, so so we need we need to do post credit, right? Is that what you're talking about? Please tell me you're going to talk about nude models, right? 
one hundred percent. So yeah. So all right. So in our group chat, we were talking about like our our life drawing classes that we've taken separately, Gary. And um, so I was talking about uh, an older gentleman with yes. giant balls um, that I would have to stare at at eight o'clock in the morning. And um, there was one time. So they. I don't know how your guys's did it. So our room was a square. And so we had long tables that formed another square with a open part in the middle. So what was right in the middle was another table, a square table, where we would put a chair on top of and the models would pose there. So one time the giant ball guy was up there and you know they need to take they need to take their breaks right so we would do like oh he's going to do a 30 second post so you got to do your gesture as fast as possible right okay this one's going to be two minutes this one's going to be five minutes okay we're gonna do a long we do a 30 minute pose so when they do the long poses they have to take a break like after x amount of time they need to stretch and relax and and so he takes his mandatory mandatory break puts his robe on you know he likes to walk around check everyone's art out see what they've been drawing his giant balls and um so he he's like okay all right okay time you know time's up he's gonna go back up so he goes and sits in the chair and he fucking falls off the table one of the chair legs was barely hanging onto the back of the table when he got up he accidentally slid the chair backwards and didn't reposition the chair when he got and sat down so this naked dude with giant balls goes <laughs> flying feet over head off of the table we're like oh my god and uh, luckily he was okay he didn't oh no. he didn't land too hard somehow he got out unscathed maybe his balls protected him but uh <laughs> it was a sight to be seen let me tell you okay i have a few follow-up questions here <laughs> question His number balls one. protected him okay do you, yeah. do you think he was aware of how giant his balls were in in respect to everybody else like was it a source of pride <laughs> i 100 percent think he was ball peacocking us he was like that's right little boys check these balls out check it out the these average. nuts <laughs> godzilla sized balls <laughs> i'm envious guy. i'm envious of anyone that gets to say these nuts and literally mean it I really <laughs> yeah yeah pretty amazing um you would what, just have to worry about sitting on them uh you know like it just in everyday life sitting on the couch you got to worry about sitting on your own balls i'm sure that's an issue okay <laughs> okay question number two this is probably my final question do you feel that he posed in such a way as to accentuate the attention that would be given to those balls. <laughs> That's a good question. I, I want to hear that answer too. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> I don't even want to do it. <laughs> well, there was one pose where he was just, there's just one pose where he was just cupping them like a baby. <laughs> that didn't happen. But <laughs> just cradling them and then rocking them back and care. forth. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's sweet. Like Madonna and Child. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. I was going to make a music reference and a and a sports reference. Do you think Sam Cassell actually witnessed his balls, and that's what originated his big ball dance? That's for the sports people out there. And then for the music people out there, the question would be: He almost has to have been an ACDC fan, right? Because if you're not aware, ACDC made a song called "Big Balls" in the '70s, and uh, it, it feels apropos. Uh, it's a shame he was the inspiration. 
<laughs> they, Little known Angus fact. Young, Angus Young took an art class in California in the seventies. Uh, Gary, you got any other stories? I know we, you guys, kind of went over the the best, the greatest hits while we were in that chat about. Oh Megan. God. Well, I mean, there's the one that I mentioned in the chat that I'll I'll say for the benefit of the audience. Uh, so yeah, like in life drawing, if you've never taken a, a life drawing or figure drawing class usually there'll be different models all the time. They just rotate through all sorts of different uh, male and female and then different body types. So you just get a lot of different experience drawing different types of people. There's one model in particular. I think, I feel like it was only the one time we had him. I think because of how it went, they were like, okay, we're not having him back. But this dude, I remember he had a, a, a mullet. He was just not the type that you normally expect of the figure drawing models. Usually the figure drawing models, they're a little, you know, Scott, you can help me out here. They're a little granola. They're a little like, you know, they're, they bring their Pink Floyd tape to play while they're posing. Like there's just that, a type to them, you know? Mm-hmm. This guy didn't fit. This guy seemed like he was more like John C. Riley at the end of King Kong. Like, I mean, more like just crack open a bud and watch the game. And like, he seemed like that type. But anyway, he had a, a, a mullet. And he also had an enormous tattoo of a parrot uh, on his ass that extended, like the tail of the parrot like went down his thigh. It was this just giant thing. And full color, like this bright red parrot. And at one point, uh, so he was on the stage. We had a stage. We didn't have a, a table that people could fall off of. Like Scott, it was like a stage. And there was a metal stool that he was sitting on. And uh, he was there for a pose. And I guess it was a chilly day. It was this metal stool. And at the break, he got up. And he's like, ooh, that stool is cold. He's like, it's freezing my bird. And he slapped his ass to punctuate this. Like slapped the parrot. And I just remember... Like seeing that kind of undulation of like the the parrot and the like it looked it almost looked like it was just fluttering its wings. It was just a really <laughs> terrible and like like I said, he was never brought back, but he was freezing his bird. The only other thing I can think of, I remember I, that you reminded me, Scott, where like they walk around to see what you've been drawing, and that was a trip for me early on. I was thinking it was my first life drawing class. There was this female model I'd been drawing and. It might have been the first time I had seen a naked person other than, like, my girlfriend. You know, like, it's so it's kind of a trip still. Mm-hmm. It was the break, and you're kind of sitting there finishing. Like, you draw as long as you can while the time is going, and now, like, time's up. So now you can work on your shading a little bit and clean things up and make it pretty. Uh, I didn't realize she was wandering the room looking at drawings. And she had kind of come up behind me, and she was like, oh, that's really nice. And I turned to look. And I turned directly into boob. Like, she never put a robe on or anything because she was granola life drawing girl. She was just roaming the room <laughs> naked. And, like, I, yeah, I just turned around and nearly bumped my forehead into her boob while she was looking over my shoulder at my, my, my drawing. Those are my two biggest life drawing memories. That's awesome. Yeah, our, our models always put uh, robes on in between their sets. And, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. There was definitely a type. Um, I always felt, I always felt like they were actors trying to make it, you know, and it's just like, they needed the work, they needed the money. So in between their gigs, their extra work, trying to land a commercial or whatever the case is, uh, they would do this model work. And that's, that's the vibe I always got from them. 
Um, mm. I remember uh, one of the guys looked like a caveman. He was very unkempt. He had a, a crazy beard and long hair before that was in vogue. And uh, it was the first time I'd ever seen it. Yeah, I have no idea whether this is I have no idea whether this is podcast gold or I'm just going to cut the whole thing and do it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no fucking idea right now. Uh, okay, okay. So yeah, we're and at the mercy of your of your good friend Keith the editor, we should probably go ahead and bring this to a close, yeah. Yeah, man. All right, I'm going to hit stop. Yeah, me too. Me too.